Now, hear the good news and be not afraid. Good morning. Welcome to Be Not Afraid. Are you a Catholic radio, Father P.J.? Good morning. Good morning, Father. Let us begin. The name of the in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. O God, who enlightened the Slavic peoples through the brothers St. Cyril and Methodius, grant that our hearts may grasp the words of your teaching and perfect us a people of one accord in true faith and right confession. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever, and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father PJ, usually the people asking us how many times we pray during the day. <laughs> what is the meaning of that uh, liturgy of hours? Uh, some people approach me at the confessionary and I am still doing my liturgy of hours. will be very interesting for all our audience to enlighten them, not only about the schedule itself for the liturgy of hours, but also what is the meaning of each moment, you know? Mm -hmm. Because each psalm Describe exactly the time at the moment from our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. So, so today the church keeps the feast of Saints Cyril and Methodius, two great figures um, in, the men, in the monastic tradition, um, but who were also interestingly missionaries, which uh, is not always part of, of the monastic tradition. Um, and it, kind of the essential work of the monk uh, is the praying of the Liturgy of the Hours. Like that's what, that's what we do is we praise. Right. And, so, um, and, and, and so kind of what we hope to do today is unpack uh, both the office and maybe something of the monastic life to see what light this might shed on our lives today. Making a making a an, an a window between Father, why an a diocesan priest making a promises versus the religious men or women mm -hmm. make a vote? Right. So, so 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 this is an important distinction to come to at the outset. Right. Is that most of the priests uh, that are in service in the diocese, not quite all, but most of the priests that are in service in the in the diocese, are what we call secular priests or diocesan secular. priests. And uh, and so they are incarnated or belong to a particular diocese that they serve, typically for the duration of their of their priestly ministry. We also have. Uh, uh, a few priests uh, amongst our company, and then, of course, many uh, religious women um, who are part of what the category of the church calls religious life or in, in, a, in a broader sense, sort of monastic life. Um, uh, and these are people that make um, vows. Um, vows are, are solemn promises made to God uh, for the sake of some future good. Um, and so, so, so religious take vows typically of poverty, chastity, and obedience. And oftentimes the institute or the community has some other vow that it's attached to it that has to do with its charism. Um, diocesan priests don't make vows. They make promises um, and, and say, well, if a vow is a solemn promise, how is a promise not a promise? Uh, this really pertains um, to sort of who the vow is made to. And then the uh, the effects, both canonically and civilly, of, of of that kind of a promise. So, a religious, um, depending on the order and the and, and the manner in which the promise is made, um, it typically either has no property in their name, or at least is not able to sort of access it, even if it's kept in their name for the sake of inheritance for other family members. Uh, whereas secular priests, diocesan priests like Father Fabian and I, um, we have a bank account that's in our name. We can own property. We own cars. We own all the things that ordinary every every other kind of people own, but all of us are called uh, to, to to the principle of simplicity or poverty in the broad sense, so that we're not being caught up with material goods. And and, and what what religious life is really intended to point us all to is uh, the life of heaven. That there's something more than just whatever we can attain here on earth. Very good and eloquent explanation. And at the same time, Father, 
we make a promise the day of our ordination to pray the liturgy of the, the hours. hours. What is the mean of that as a commitment for us in terms of... So, 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 so the liturgy of the hours are, are a series of prayers that are spaced out throughout the day and then carried out throughout the week and throughout the months of the year. Um, and they're organized according to the church's own liturgical calendar. So, so there's much more to the liturgy than just the mass that you would see on Sunday or even daily mass. Um, and the, the prayers of the mass and the liturgy of the hours are intertwined with each other in a way that unless you're praying all of them all together – it might not immediately be obvious. You take something like the O antiphons, which are, are so well-beloved uh, during um, Advent time as we come up to Christmas. So those antiphons are, are verses or refrains that are attached to the Benedictus and the Magnificat at morning and evening prayer. They get used as the, um, the, the gospel acclamation, the antiphon for the gospel acclamation during Mass. They show up again and again and again. Okay. Well, if thematically you're saying the same prayer four or five or six times a day— it becomes kind of the background music in your brain. Right. And that's what the church is ultimately trying to get us to do with, with the office is sanctify the day by pausing periodically to pray for significant periods of time to do it primarily with scripture so that the words on our lips are God's own words, inspired songs, as the apostle says, um, and to connect us uh, with, with the whole history of Christendom, um, with all those who've prayed these psalms before us, and with the Jews who kept the same cycle of psalmody in, uh, in the temple even before that. So we, we, we pray the liturgy of our words, office of readings mm -hmm. that begin with one psalm, mm -hmm. and then morning prayer. Right. So the invitatory is the, is the first part of the Liturgy of the Hours, and it's attached to whatever is the first office that you say of the day is. For most of us, that's the Office of Readings, though the Office of Readings is kind of slippery. It can slide in at, at, at different times, um, and, and sometimes it's attached to a vigil the night before. Um, uh, but ordinarily, you have the invitatory, which is a kind of a wake-up prayer. Um, uh, and then uh, you have the Office of Readings, which involves um, uh, lengthier readings from Scripture than happen at Mass. And then uh, a lengthy reading either from the church fathers, uh, most often from the church fathers, or from um, uh, official church documents. And very occasionally, though importantly, and I like to point this out, um, readings from the saints, which include things like the letter of St. Louis the King to his son. Right. Or the letter of St. Thomas More to his daughter uh, that have now been adopted as part of the church's liturgy, which means that even, you know, the, the post-it notes my mom used to leave on the kitchen table, you know, could, could one day be part of the church's liturgy. Um, we then proceed to morning prayer, which is a, a, a prayer sort of properly attached to morning itself, kind of morning is broken sort of feel. Um, there are prayers said uh, throughout midday that can be spaced out differently according to the needs of the, the prayer and whether you're in common or, or, or by yourself. There's Vespers, uh, evening prayer, which acts as a kind of a, a parallel to the morning prayer uh, bit with Lods. Um, uh, that's sort of like, 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 like the, the, the evening dinner time type prayer, you might say. And then there's Compline, which is the way the church prepares us for bed. Iowa Catholic Radio, be not afraid. This is a segment about small Catholic innovations that made a huge impact from the OSV Institute for Catholic Innovation. Long before Wimbledon... A group of Catholic monks in 12th century France were taking a break in their courtyard. I imagine it went something like this. A monk, I'll call him Brother Leo, shouts, Take this, Brother John! He tosses a ball to Brother John. And Brother John, a little startled, swings his hand, smacks the ball back, yelling, Take this, Brother Leo! 
on and on they play until their superior comes marching out yelling, What are you two doing? Brother Leo replies, Ah, it was just a game of take this. But in French, the word for take this is tenez. So that may not be the actual story. But you can thank Catholic Innovation for tennis. Learn more about what OSV Institute is doing to inspire and encourage Catholic innovation at osvinstitute.com. St. Thomas Classical Academy is hosting a lecture Saturday, March 12th, starting at 7 p.m. Raising Catholic Men with Daniel Kerr, President and Headmaster of St. Martin's Academy, a Catholic high school for boys that combines classical academics with an integrated work program on a sustainable farm in Fort Scott, Kansas. Raising Catholic Men, Saturday, March 12th at St. Thomas Classical Academy, 4801 Franklin Avenue, Des Moines. Learn more at stthomasclassical.org. That's stthomasclassical.org. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio comes from Mercy One, your expert circle of personalized care for all your health needs. With more care locations than anyone, your best life is their one purpose. Find your doctor at mercyone.org. Welcome back to Pinada Afraid, Iowa Catholic Radio. Talking about the liturgy of the hour, describing that whole day prayer, how we can encourage our brothers and sisters who have been listening to us, that is, uh, probably they are not familiar with this dynamic of prayer. So the the office is available all over the place now. It's probably more widely available now than it, not probably, it is more widely available now than at any other period in the church's history. Um, there are several apps, so literally just open your phone. Um, and you can download an app. Some of them are free. Some have a, a minimum kind of a, an investment of five bucks or something. Um, uh, I encourage people to begin with Compline. It's the shortest of the hours. It's the easiest. It, it's the least variable. So more of the prayers stay the same. Um, and uh, and it's, it's very easily memorizable. You know, when I was in the Dominicans, we, um, we, uh, we mostly just said this, said Sunday nights, Compline every night. It became almost like your bedtime prayers when you were a kid, right? Except that it was it was the church's bedtime prayer. Um, it ends with the Salve Regina, which is uh, I, I like to refer to as the church's lullaby, right? Uh-huh. It's, it's 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 a sweet song to the Virgin right before bed, um, and uh, which is a tradition that the Dominicans brought to the whole church, by the way. But um, uh, I, I, I encourage people to begin with Compline because it's the most easily accessible. If you really want to commit yourself to something, and I. I often um, suggest this like during Lent when people are trying to kind of up the ante in their spiritual Great. life. Then, then, then morning and evening prayer are good. They're, they're especially good when done together, by which I don't mean at the same time, like you say, morning prayer at 8 and evening prayer at 8.15. <laughs> but that you would deliberately, um, like, like, like especially couples, I'll often say, um, you know, say, say morning prayer together, maybe before breakfast, uh, before you guys get off and go to work. And say Vespers together when you come home and before you kind of get ready for dinner and that kind of thing. This can be tricky with families. It's a real thing. Like like when you've got kiddos to manage, like this isn't the easiest. There's a reason this developed in monastic communities. But it is much more accessible than we probably give it credit for. Absolutely. Father, sometimes uh, curious questions came from the people about it. Uh, for, uh, one person, one parishioner asked me, Father, if you miss one of the liturgy of hours prayer, of he, if you did not complete the liturgy of hours as as the bishop encourage you to do it. I encourage in mortal sin. <laughs> so this is the this is this is the sort of um, stuff that the seminary exam questions are made of. Um, uh, so so 
in principle, one's obliged to the office and you should say the office and the whole office in its integrity as you're able to every day. Um, obviously, yeah, somebody comes to the door while you're in the middle of Vespers. You don't sit and read through Vespers and say, hang on, I'll be there in seven minutes. Like that's not a responsible <laughs> thing to do. Um, and, uh, and, and at a certain point, the recitation of the office for its own sake would seem to miss the point. Right. So if you missed Vespers last night and you're to morning prayer today, does it really make sense to say lots of prayers about going to bed as you're right. waking up? Right. So and that's part of what the reform of the Liturgy of the Hours was was really intended to correct, because in many religious communities where they were saying all of the hours, singing all of the hours in their entirety every day, it had become so cumbersome that what they were doing was they were they were anticipating everything by several hours so that Compline was being said before dinner. And then they were saying the morning prayers for tomorrow before they went to bed. And this was this, that's not what this is designed for. And so, right, so, right. so th- th- there are fair questions about whether the way we space the Psalms out um, are, are maybe the best that we could do, but that we're, um, we're in probably the best shape in terms of ordering according to the time of day that we've ever been. Absolutely. Also, one of the questions in the Cantus of monasticism, we are calling to celebrate the Holy Mass daily mm-hmm. as a mandatory or optional. As priests, you mean? Yes. Yeah. So, um, so, so the current canons don't require that a priest celebrate Mass each day, and that's to avoid a situation where a priest is incurring sin for something that is potentially beyond his control. But it is still a, a general sort of expectation. Like, one should not ordinarily skip days for Mass. Some priests don't say Mass on their day off. That's between them and their confessor. I don't know what that's about exactly, but um, but the but um, I, you know I've lived with priests, um, uh, not here in Des Moines, thanks be to God. But I've lived with priests in the past who only celebrated mass once or twice a year. Um, that's real dumb. Don't ever do that. Uh, I, that's a bad situation. It was very scandalous for me. Still makes my teeth itch. Um, if you're going to do something, do it. If not, then don't. Like I, at that point, I just think a person probably doesn't want to be a priest. But. Um, but uh, but in terms of the daily celebration, you know, the, the, the daily celebration of the mass is really has just been part and parcel of priestly identity in, in the West um, for a thousand years. And so it, to try and upend that or recreate something, it's just not reasonable. Sometimes the people presume that we are in the holy station, holy condition, more spiritual, high level condition than the common people of God and not really. Exactly, because we are in the same world, you know, mm-hmm. different, the oriented intentions and his lifestyle to proceed. It's very interesting for all our audience to let them know that as a priest, we are living our duties as a Christian. Mm-hmm. So those brothers and sisters that have been listening to us today as a Christian also are calling to be in touch with God through the prayers. You know, I um, one of the things I do with some frequency um at Christ the King and other places that I that I'm called to serve, right? Um, uh, and there are several of us younger clergy that have kind of pushed for this. Um, so, con celebration, the that uh, the, the the practice of more than one priest celebrating the same mass at the same time, um, has its has a real place in the church and its discipline today. Um, and, and it's important that that was restored because it had basically fallen into disuse. But um, but priest assisting in choir. That's what happens when a priest is sitting there um, right. in, in cassock and surplice and, and, and stole for a portion of the Mass, but is not celebrating the Mass, not celebrating the Mass. I think this sends a very powerful message uh, to the faithful. When, when, when the people can see their priest um, re- kneel to receive communion at the hands of another priest, 
it shows it shows who's really at the service of of the mystery, right? Wow! Like it's not me in charge of the Eucharist. No, 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 no. The Eucharist is in charge of me. Right, right, and, right. And, and 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 to affect that kind of visual, I think is 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 it's deeply affecting for people. And it's a remarkable manner how the humble, the humility from our Lord Jesus Christ, acting through the to the priest's testimony of life, invited others. It's a contagious contagious scenarios in terms to be perseverant and feel unfaithful. The other thing that I think it does, Father, is, you know, you mentioned the daily celebration. Not all celebrations are going to look the same. And I know that one of the things that I've experienced, and I'm sure you have too, but um, when you're with a priest who's very infirm, maybe bedridden, or even when I couldn't walk those several months, um, being with a priest who's celebrating Mass, continues to celebrate his Mass each day in very unideal conditions— can can be one of the most moving experiences of the Eucharist that you have. Absolutely. Because you see him offering even his own body. Yes, beautiful. Iowa Catholic Radio, be not afraid. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio comes from Rick Schaefer of Sullivan Auctioneers, LLC. Conducting professional full-service auctions for farmland and farm machinery since 1979. And Sullivan Land Company Real Estate Brokerage, 515-313-5508. SullivanAuctioneers.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio provided by Knights of Columbus, Borman, and Pfeiffer agencies serving the Catholic families in Iowa. Knights of Columbus is a fraternal benefit society providing financial security to members and their families, specializing in life insurance, long-term care insurance, disability income insurance, retirement annuities, and you can reach Knights of Columbus field agent Dan Ginther at 563-689-6801. That's 563-689-6801. Thank you and God bless. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio provided by the Society of St. Vincent de Paul. Established in Des Moines in 1924, St. Vincent de Paul assists those living in poverty to become self-sufficient by helping to remove roadblocks on their journey out of poverty. St. Vincent de Paul helps with food, clothing, and shelter, while also offering classes in financial literacy, high school completion, career readiness, and prisoner reentry. Shop, donate, volunteer, serve. The Society of St. Vincent de Paul, svdpdsm.org. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio provided by Blessman International. According to a global food security report, more than 820 million people in the world are hungry today. None of us can help them all, but how about one? One child. Blessman International provides 60,000 children in South Africa with a daily hot meal, place of safety, educational experience, and spiritual development. Learn more at BlessmanInternational.org. That's BlessmanInternational.org. Thank you, Blessman International, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Welcome back to Binada Frey, Iowa Catholic Radio. We pray about the monastic life. We pray as priests during the whole day. We are encouraged the people of God pray. But also this coming Sunday, mm-hmm. St. Paul in, the, in his fir- first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15, verses 45 to 49, describes a very interesting mission and vocation for the people of God. Brothers and sisters, it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. But the spiritual was not first, rather the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, earthly, the second man from heaven. As was the earthly one, so also are the earthly, and as is the heavenly one, so also are the heavenly. Just as we have borne the image of the earthly one, 
so shall also we bear the image of the heavenly one. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. You know, I think um, this, you know, St. Paul's kind of drawing his, the the epistle to a close here, but what he's really pointing us to, um, and it's a little bit hard to hear in English, um, it comes out a little more naturally in Spanish, actually, but um, is that, you know, the the names in in the scripture um, carry great significance and often in a way that you don't hear in translation. So uh, the first man, Adam, the first man, Hadam, the first man, man became a living being, the last man, a life-giving spirit. So St. Paul is really playing with, with sort of human here, with humanity. Right. And, 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 of course, pointing to Adam, the first man, and Christ, the last man, sort of uniting common humanity. So Christ, by assuming our humanity to himself, makes possible heavenly life. It's beautiful how you describe that because sounds more accessible familiar, more close to me as a simple man of the pew. I mean, I realized that the Lord had been talking through the apostle to me, said you are the right. one, the second, and the third one as well, you know? The, 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 the word humility, uh, as it comes into English, or humilidad, is, um, is, from, um, is from the Greek word hummus, which is just like the dip that we eat right. now, right? Right, right? And it's because that dip, which is made of ground chickpeas, um, is, it, it looks like dirt, Right. So, so, so the word literally means earth or, or earthy. Um, there's a, a phrase uh, that I have recently learned has apparently fallen into disuse in the Midwest. When I was a kid growing up, if somebody was really um, sort of honest, uh, guileless, right, we would call them salt of the earth. I used it the other day and nobody knew what I was talking about. So, but I, I know some of our listeners will know this phrase, salt of the earth. And that's what they're talking about is that, is that, is that authentic humility is earthy. Jesus, in assuming our human nature, becomes earthy. Wow. He becomes one with us, the, 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 the sons of Adam, the sons of the dirt, right? Um, and, and so humility isn't so much about talking about how terrible I am as just being very honest with who I am, my yeah. faults, my foibles, and my gifts and my talents. Yeah. And, uh, and those put to right um, can change the world. When St. Paul make a reference to the first man, also remind us that temptation to be unique, yes, but at the same time, the last. Mm. Because God is first, the power of God, the creator is first, that the creation. And, and it's a, and a, and a certain invitation to assume our position, you know? Sometimes right. we, we try to escape it. This was an especially significant passage for St. Thomas Aquinas mm-hmm. um, and is not the only origin of, but is, is, is deeply tied to his maxim, right? Um, grace does not destroy nature, rather it perfects it. Wow. So that, so that, because we can have this sense sometimes, right? That like, especially when we've gone through a major conversion in life, we can make this sort of like, oh, well, everything before was all trash and everything after is all grace. Nobody's like that. You weren't that bad before. You just want to think you are. Right. And, and, and you're not that good now. <laughs> you're, right. you're, you're, you're an untidy mix of both. But what grace does is it perfects the nature that already exists. I think one of the best um, images, the image might not be quite the right word for this, that, 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 that we can come to is it's, it's what happens when uh, it's sort of an audio metaphor, right? It's what happens when people are able to harmonize. There's something that happens when, when, when voices gathered in song sing different notes 
at the same time, but it works right. as opposed to what happens when somebody's just off key singing right. different notes and it don't work. Right. And, and, and that's how grace operates on us. It works us from the inside out. It perfects what's already there. It doesn't destroy it because it's not bad. It's good, but it, it supplies for what is lacking. It heals what is infirm. It makes up for whatever is, is, is broken and, and mends whatever needs healed. And, and that ultimately makes us into the new man who is natural, who has a, a nature that's proper to himself, but is supernaturally uh, affected by grace. Human. Human. Accepting our reality. This is I am. And probably it's an invitation also to be in a spiritually honest and sincere action through the eyes of God. To receive all the faculties from God to improve all those fragilities, frustration, limitations that keep us apart from the graces that have been expecting for us, you know? This is, this is the ultimate purpose of the Liturgy of the Hours, of course, is to sanctify the day. Absolutely. To take the natural, the natural entity, the day, the passage of time, and to sanctify the passage of time by our prayer. I think it's also very important, you know, in, in this week when so many people are focused um, on um, romance, Valentine's Day, um, <laughs> uh, which is a good and holy thing in itself, right? I think... I think just as religious communities live by a rule and keep an orarium or a schedule of prayer, I think every couple, right, should have a kind of rule of life. It doesn't need to look like a monastic rule. I'm not saying that, right? But a kind of a pattern of living and a pattern of praying both in common and alone to sanctify the time that you have together. Right. So it's a great Finally, gift. love is came from God mm-hmm. and God is love. And help us to enlighten us. And this is a very, a very good message, Father, because sometimes people did not identify that you have to pray for your love as well. Mm-hmm. To have a clean, transparent love as the God love you. The other thing I think important for our, our, our listeners to remember um, is, you know, the, the St. Cyril and Methodius, as I said, they were both monks and missionaries. They're great. Um, uh, uh, kind of contribution to, to the history of civilization, right, is that St. Cyril develops the Cyrillic alphabet. So the, the whole, like what Russian is written in today comes from him. Now think about that, friends. Something as simple as, as devising an alphabet is a sanctifying work. Absolutely. And, and, and so is whatever you're doing today in the office, in the car, at the house, at school. Like It's a holy work given you by God. Approaching our ending season about this monastical and prayer time, could you please send us... Would you bless him, Father? By the intercession of St. Cyril and Methodius, our fathers in faith, St. Valentine, the patron of all who love, and all the saints, may you be brought closer in communion with him who is always Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Iowa Catholic Radio, be not afraid. Be not afraid. Jesus is on the way to encounter you. Be Not Afraid is underwritten by Associated Ophthalmologists. 